You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Everybody, is, is your blood stirred right now? You like that? Sound a little like John Williams? Wrong! It's not John Williams. It's Eric Wolfgang Korngold, the inspiration for John Williams. One of one of the big ones. Huh. One of the great romantic scores for a classic adventure movie in the pre-Williams scoring era. The Adventures of Robin Hood. Today, our subject is score. Filmic score. And my name is Nathan Iverson, your humble and obedient host. Nathan, what score would you give what film? I I don't understand. What score would I give what film? Never mind. Hi, I'm Ben. What score I'd give you? An F. (laughs) (laughs) I deserve it, Nathan. I deserve it. Is an F a score? It's more of a grade. It could be a score. (laughs) Zero out of ten. Ben, you're our... What are you? Our I, humble I'm an associate, associate, host, associate producer. producer. Yeah. yeah. We should come up with like a title for you that... Yeah, a thing. Like a thing, a, sh- a shtick. We yeah. don't really have a shtick for you. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. We'll get one. Yeah, well, why don't you introduce the man, the myth, the legend himself? Jake, Pastor Jake, he does have a shtick. He is the pastor who's a master of sanity. Yay. <laughs> yep. I'm so happy for this shtick. <laughs> That's his shtick. I'm a master of sanity. <laughs> master of sanity. <laughs> Whatever yep. that means. It makes so much change. sense with books and so little sense with anything else. Now, <laughs> and yet we don't, you know, we can't be bothered. You know, pastor is a master of all... Well, that's what Nathan says. Yeah, but, but you changed it to something much more pithy. I, say, I say all that his hand undertakes or something like that, which yeah. is always kind of clunky. Ben has changed it to sanity, which, <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Makes no sense. We don't make a lot of sense here anyway. So nah, we don't. Stop making sense. That's a reference to something. Now, folks, we today are talking about filmic score. I'm not interested. I don't care about filmic score. Why should I listen to a Christian podcast on cinematic Music. That's I, I, I'll tell you. Okay. Should I tell you? Yeah. I wanna, yeah. Go I'm going to tell you why. Because you watch movies. And if you watch movies, you need to understand all the ways that the filmmaker is working on you and working on your emotions and communicating to you. And one of the principal ways that he does that is through the score. It tells you what to think about the heroes, what to think about what's happening on screen, what to think about the villains, what to think about the romance or more specifically, how to feel about it all. Mm. And sometimes they are lying to you. Sometimes they are lying sometimes to you. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're telling you the truth. But they're always working on your emotions. And if you're not aware of it or you don't care, then you're just a fiddle to be played. Just a fiddle. Oh, Jake, I have an answer to that. It's just entertainment. There you go. You're welcome. Just Thanks, a- devil. <laughs> well, I Let actually- me uh, pull out my gun while you wave your samurai sword and pop you in the head. Uh, well, I actually do. I want to make the case because I think there's some people that might think. Oh, well, there's people who feel exactly. Wasn't the way a I samurai sword. It was a scimitar. Wasn't I was. It? I was. Yeah, I was not going to correct you. All right. But yeah. Just for no other reason than fun. Let's me and Ben play the most sneering devil. Oh, boy. And he doesn't think that we should be doing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's just entertainment, Jake. Yeah, Jake. <laughs> you know, it's guys, just a movie. <laughs> you, you know, Walter, Gary, <laughs> sometimes it's important to realize that your entertainment actually uh, shapes you and your character. And saying it's just entertainment is like saying... Uh, I don't know. It's just a little bit of arsenic or something that you... It's just food. It doesn't matter how nutritional it is. You or, take yeah. yourself too seriously. You do go, I? You should go watch a movie. All right. <laughs> cool. You do that. Maybe you should take your movies a little more seriously. <laughs> Worthwhile endeavor, guys. <laughs> it's been really intense. Well, yeah. you also listen, watch YouTube videos, and you also watch commercials. You also listen to music in worship. I think just talking about what music does to you mm-hmm. in general is a worthwhile endeavor because we are yeah. all of us. There are very few places in life where, where, in my opinion at least, there's as much of a, a disconnect between how important it is in the way it shapes us on the one hand and, the on the other hand, the casual way that we approach it. Yeah. Like, in my life at least. Let me not generalize for everyone, but I 
love to just listen to pop music with all kinds of vulgar lyrics that I don't give a thought to and let my heart be shaped in all kinds of ways that I'd be ashamed to admit, you know, the specific songs or artists on this podcast because I just don't take music very seriously. Christians have always taken music seriously. The great thinkers like Plato and his Republic takes music very seriously. Say, you know, if we're going to shape the perfect society, if we're going to shape the way that young men think and what kind of citizens of Athens they become, if we're going to build a, you know, build a Republic, then we better be very careful Mm. what kind of music we use and how we use it. And how often does the Bible command music of us? God is commanding it as a spiritual discipline. It does something. It's important. It matters. Yeah. So we thought a fun way to talk about it and a useful way to talk about it would be to talk about the way that music is used in movies. And this should really be a little bit of a plug for our other podcast, right, Jake? Yeah, Sanity at the Movies is a show where we dig into movies deep and we talk about the grammar of film, all the little elements that make it what it is and make it work. And uh, we are also uh, gearing up, hopefully, if we get enough supporters on Patreon to go through something that we're calling the superhero's journey. Mm Mm-hmm which is going to be a whole lot of fun. So today, in approaching this whole question, I think we're going to be a little genre-specific even, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically, we're talking about hero stuff. Hero stuff. The simpler and more narrow you get, the easier it is to to make a point. Right. And we're going to talk about music that tells you the truth in a good way, music that tells you the truth maybe in a way that's questionable, and music that lies to you. Or is just straight up confusing. Or is just straight up confusing. We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to play some of the music, which we can do because of fair use laws, which is fun for this particular episode. Guys, let's talk about some classic hero themes from cinema, first of all. Now, we actually started with one from 1938's The Adventures of Robin Hood, the Michael Curtiz joint starring Olivia de Havilland and, of course, Errol Flynn as the eponymous hero Robin Hood. Still have never seen it. It's a really fantastic adventure movie with a really great sword fight that's often parodied because it's got the scene where they're chopping at each other across a fire or something and their shadows are cast on the wall. Have you ever seen a movie or a cartoon (laughs) or anything where the people are fencing and there's big shadows on the wall? That's from, that's a direct reference to Adventures of Robin Hood. Awesome. What does that Robin Hood music tell you about this Robin Hood fella? Yeah, he's a very... Surprised to see me. Yes, he's a very (laughs) jolly, straightforward hero's hero. Yep. Yeah, he has a little bit of an ironic look at life. Just, it's kind of funny that Mm -hmm. I keep fighting villains. Yeah, they keep losing. I do do what I do. (laughs) And I always win. I like being myself. There's not even really much of a threat to me. I am just great. There's a famous (laughs) sort of hero quip that me and Ben both get a big kick out of for whatever reason, (laughs) which we used in our episode of The Ville called Crimson Crimson and Clover, a beloved (laughs) episode of The Ville. Surprised to see me. Surprised to see me. Can you you give it to us in what's (laughs) Oh, in, in, in Jack Darlington's yes. voice. Surprised to see me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the, the perfect line and the perfect delivery for this music. It's just, it's the pirate standing on the mast, With shoulders his, broad, or yeah, yeah, yeah. buckle about arms at his hip. Yeah, his arms definitely at his hips. And just surprised to see me. <laughs> and the villains are like, ah, kill Robin Hood. <laughs> It's a world where good is good, bad is bad, and there ain't much in between. Yep. And it's fun to be a good guy. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's not it's not overly dramatic to be a good guy. It's it's just kind of fun. No, it's a blast. Like yeah, you get to jump through the trees with your lads, and you go and fight the bad guys, and save the damsels, and get the kisses and the money and the cheers of the townsfolk. <laughs> Hooray! 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 Now let's listen to a little bit of a theme that I think everybody will recognize. Hooray! 
think we all know that pretty we well. Do. Yeah. No. Straight up, straightforward, super heroic, and good epic. guy, grand. Robin Hood does not sound epic, but that does. No, this music actually doesn't have that feeling of this is a laugh. Although Star Wars itself is actually probably in its way more ironic and hipster than Errol Flynn's Robin Hood ever hoped to be. But this music is very sincere. This music is just like, welcome to the most... Very sincere, straight ahead. Most Mm -hmm. epic armies and empires falling. And well, you can't really... You can't disassociate this from the movies. You imagine a guy swinging across a bridge with a yep. princess and Luke Skywalker doing a backflip and grabbing his little laser sword and yeah. swinging it over the heads of all those guys who pretend to fall down dead on Jabba's sailing barge. Yes. Let's hear one more. This is a, another theme by Mr. John Williams, the maestro himself. Same story. I almost want to say like twice as epic. Like it's just says it's that much more legendary and epic the way that it started. It, you know, Star Wars, Luke punches you in the mouth with that, you know, mm-hmm. fanfare. Yeah. But this is like, we're going to build to that big fanfare. It gives that sense of like this legendary epic hero. Well, and I feel a personal sort of warming of the cockles of my heart because it sounds American. Yeah, like, it does sound very American. It does, yeah. It's yeah. just mama apple pie cornfields kind of feeling of yeah. It's all that. it's more like it's more stately than mm-hmm. Star Wars. I think that's that's what I would say. I, I don't think I'd say it's more epic though. I could see where you got that, but there's something. Yeah, there's still well, there's still something a little Saturday morning ish about Star Wars. Hmm. That that's not actually true of the Superman score. Hmm. And until you get really big. Maybe, hmm. but it's just more like yeah, that's true. Other uh, Su- Superman takes itself more seriously. The uh, the uh, theme, I mean, it, yeah, right? I think it, I think it does. Okay, well, does. the interesting thing to say about all these themes is that in some ways, all three of these movies are sincere uh, movies that are playing to the archetypes that those themes evoke. In other ways, all three of these movies are very campy very campy and having fun with it i mean superman is at Mm -hmm. heart well especially superman 2 but even the first one it's a comedy right like they right (laughs) they want you to buy into the awesomeness of the all-american good boy clark kent superman but they're also having fun with it and very consciously in this kind of 1940s fast talking tradition with lois lane and all the reporter stuff and lex luther's kind of less threatening than i know a lot of comic book nerds might like (laughs) him to be I know we don't have it queued up, but if you want to play, I think Williams's score for Lex Luthor is called like the Villains March, mm-hmm. and it's just this comic theme. <laughs> the March of the Villains. Da, da, ba, da, 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 da. Yeah, there's like this little oboe that's like they are so stupid. <laughs> They're, gonna They're really, screw really it dumb. Up. <laughs> they are so dumb. They're dumber than you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically what it says. <laughs> well, and there's so many different things we could talk about, but the, the things to maybe notice are, uh, number one, when we first were trying to crack this episode, Jake and I spent a long time thinking about and talking about, could we make the claim that sincere musical statements of heroism have gone away because we don't actually believe in heroes anymore. All these heroes, they all have themes in in the same vein, right? They're all trumpet, fanfare, straightforward, major key, Mm -hmm. 
and memorable. And, they, and they're memorable, and they're saying, this is heroic. This is good. Right. This is somebody you should believe in. These are people that, and they're going to win the day because good always wins. All of that vibe is there. Yeah, and you don't get as much of that. The point we wanted to make but couldn't quite nail was, do people just not believe in heroes anymore so we don't get that kind of thing? And it's like, well, Lord of the Rings has a pretty famous thing like that. The Avengers has one. And then we thought, can we make the point that we only believe in group heroism? We don't actually believe in hmm. individual heroism. And I think that's an interesting question to ask. I'm not quite prepared to defend that assertion to the grave. I'm sure there's you could name some scores that have cool hero themes. Yeah, there mm-hmm. definitely are. But there's definitely a lot less of it. I think you could argue at least that people are maybe more savvy to this thing and more sensitive to it. Like if you're going to make a Batman movie, A, you're not going to make a movie that just is about how much fun and awesome it would be to be Batman because that's just not how people think about their heroes anymore. Even Superman, great example, Man of Steel, like is all it used to be. It'd be fun to be Superman. That's not really the story that we want to tell anymore. Marvel tells that story better than DC and a lot of other things. But basically, our heroes are more angsty. So that's A. And then B, even when we do, even so far as Christopher Nolan's Batman is a hero, we don't want that bold statement of, of heroism, of awesomeness. It's just more complicated. It's more messy what he's doing. And that's reflected musically. And even in a fairly heroic movie like Avengers, that's going to be more reflected. There's is not going to be as bifurcated or black and white because, mm-hmm. and I think that that probably does, that has to do with the fact that people don't believe in bifurcated and black and white as much anymore. It also has to do with the way the industry works and the way that films are scored these mm-hmm. days. And I suppose this is as good a time as any to talk about that just for 30 seconds. The way that films are made, they will use something called a temp track. track. And that means that they will get old music and slap it on and edit to that thing. And a lot of times directors will fall in love with the temp track and then the composer that's brought in will have to reproduce as close as he can the feeling of that temp track. And so he doesn't actually get the chance to explore anything new or fresh or exciting. He's got to basically conform to all the beats because now the whole movie's already been edited. It's been edited to match a temp track, the rhythm, the pacing of it, and the director loves everything about it and wishes that he could just steal the temp track. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, your job, composer, is not come up with something cool, new, original, fun, exciting. Your job is score this as if it were the Lord of the Rings. Because that's how we shot Mm -hmm. it, that's how we cut it, and that's how we imagined it. And it's why these things will kind of go in spates and all sound the same. Like, when we were teenagers maybe early 20s there was that stupid cliche that i hated of the ethnic warbling lady he started with gladiator i think it was popular (laughs) to have like ethnic warbling lady and then suddenly district nine had ethnic warbling like you couldn't start a more quote-unquote serious action movie certainly anything set in the middle east or any place foreign i mean it could be russia and it would start with ethnic warbling lady that's because somebody used the gladiator soundtrack for their temp track and then the poor composer had to reproduce Mm -hmm. ethnic ethnic warbling lady a lord of the rings is also arguably i think probably responsible for ethnic warbling lady because lord of the rings had that oh i forgot that a little bit too the first one fellowship especially had like an enya song or something like that yep oh right of course I i don't know um (laughs) <laughs> I think that's exactly how it went. Yeah. <laughs> Yarada. Aragorn and Arwen, they're in love. You guys remember that classic uh, tune that yeah. I just that I just pulled up and played for us? I remember it well. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to say about these heroes themes before we move on? Guys, Jake, you were saying well, they're th- very straightforward. Yeah, I think that the reason we wanted to start here, this may sound like a really simple podcast but the reason we wanted to start here is we wanted to start with some of the most straightforward heroic themes that we could so uh, it may be helpful to just orient people where we're going Mm -hmm. we're going to start with some of the most straightforward heroic themes just the most obvious 
this person is a hero. And then some of the most obvious straightforward, these people are villains, bad guys. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get into some nuance. We're going to talk about some anti-heroes, people that don't quite fit the mold, but the music is telling the truth about that. And then we're going to get into some heroes and some villains that the score is telling you one thing, but what you're seeing on screen is telling you something else. And it may surprise you what you believe about certain of these characters and how much of it just relates to what the music has told you to believe about them. Well, let's listen to some villain music now, guys. I think you may recognize this one. I dare say when I said I was going to play villain music, if people were tracking at all and they know their pop culture to any degree, they probably knew exactly. The very first, most obvious thing in the whole world. I mean, if I say villain music, you say... If I say, oh no, Mrs. Cornwell's about to get back from the principal's office. Everybody settle down. One of the other students will... Yeah. I mean, I've been in situations like many that. Many a time. Many a time. Actually, I, I one time we had an art class when I was in about sixth or seventh grade, and we were goofing off, and we actually put a CD of Star Wars music on while there was no teacher in the room, and the Imperial March just happened to come up, and then Mrs. Cornwell walked in the room and started yelling at us, and meanwhile, <laughs> the Imperial March <laughs> was playing behind her, and it was... Arguably the most glorious moment of my life. (laughs) I want to say, like, my wedding would be a distant third. Um, (laughs) But that, that's the top. Mrs. Cornwell, the fact that we actually had a real evil person yelling at us while the most stereotypical evil music played. uh, One of those perfect, (laughs) perfect storms of awesomeness. Uh, So maybe let's hear one more. I think you guys might recognize. This is all by John Williams, by the way. It's like that guy's talented or something. I don't know. What is the subtle point trying to be made by? Scary. (laughs) Sharks are coming. They are scary. (laughs) Scary. I think one of the things, so that's that's some hero music. That's some villain music. I think something that might be appropriate to take a minute and say here before we move into some more complicated categories is... Even there, even with those simple categories, think about how, I mean, we started with Robin Hood, which was about the most straight arrow thing you could hope, and then Ben immediately used the word irony to describe Robin Hood. Like, Robin Hood actually doesn't take himself as seriously as Robin Hood's music does. Star Wars is famous for basically inventing the tongue-in-cheek aesthetic of, of heroes, the quippy banter, the we don't take this all that seriously. That is what, that's, that's what Star Wars gave us. Superman, as we said, very campy, intentionally having fun, made by people that are much more cynical than the idealistic Superman that they managed to mm-hmm. well convey. Imperial March, evil, says bad guy. Says Nazi. Says Nazi. But also, it says, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, who, who doesn't? Sure, we've all this whistled is, the, the Imperial March when a teacher we don't like is coming or the principal's coming or something. But we've also all whistled it to ourselves, I think, when we're going into a situation where we want to feel strong. And we're going to be the bad guy, we're gonna, and we're just going to own being the bad guy. Yeah. That's why lots of sports teams that have that reputation of just being universally hated, like the Yankees or the Lakers or the Patriots, were so good and so awesome. Everybody loves to hate us. They just own that moniker, the evil empire. They'll lean in and they'll play the Imperial March in their, you know, in their stadiums. Like we're coming to get you. Yes, we're this, but we're that bad. 
we are the evil empire and we're coming to destroy. We are Darth Vader level awesome. <laughs> right. And you should be afraid. Because Darth Vader's awesome. And that's part of what that music tells you is not just, they just wanted to do scary. They, we could go to Christopher Nolan's Joker music that's just, <laughs> well, that, that guy's annoying and scary. <laughs> Basically sums up the Joker. <laughs> but Darth Vader's music is like, we don't just, we're not just scared of the empire. We admire them. They actually have achieved galactic military control in a way that's awe-inspiring and that's cool and that's... Yeah, what if the Nazis won? Right. But in space. And then we're able to extend their aesthetic across the world in a beautiful, Black dark and white, uniformity. stark. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that music says. So even there, it's not simple to define... Like the music, I think, in all those heroic situations is telling you that the heroes are actually a little bit more heroic than the filmmakers would actually say that they are or that they're then they're playing them. The music is being very sincere in certain cases where the where the filmmakers aren't actually being as sincere. Yeah, that's true. And uh, at the same time, it's still mostly sincere. Yeah, I mean, Superman's Superman. That's why we started with these. Vader's still Vader. Vader's Vader. He's and that shark. He needs to get blown up. He he doesn't need to mm-hmm. get blown up. Now, let's listen to something that I think people might be like so far like, yeah, we get it. Good guy music is good. Bad guy's music is bad. Okay. Well, folks, let's listen to this one and tell me what you think it says about the hero. Let's talk about James Bond. Now, what is that music telling us? This guy is super cool. Sophisticated. Is it, Has there ever been anybody as cool as this guy? Probably not. He's cool. He's sophisticated. He's bad to the bone. He's above it all. I think the first time we ever hear that music, we're in a casino and the beautiful lady in the strapless dress comes up and says, what's your name? And then he takes a drag on the cigarette and says, Bond, James Bond. As he's, as he's been known to do throughout the franchise. And that music is like, this guy is awesome. He's the best. <laughs> he's so cool, cooler than you. Does that music have moral content to it? It's a hero theme, right? It is a hero theme. It's not saying, though, that this guy is a straight up good guy hero in the way that Robin Hood or Star Wars or Superman. It's more are, sensual. Though. Yeah, it's a, it is it's more sensual, it's more complicated. It's more modern. It's not old school orchestrations that we associate yeah, with some a, guitars in there. With a simpler time and a, mm-hmm. you know. There's still some horns, you know, but like more like a jazz feel. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, sometimes some of the horns are doing that. Yeah. It's jazz and it's, it's horns and it's electric guitar and then it's some orchestration to give it some heft and some weight. Yeah. But it's supposed to feel cool. Right. Which it does. It's a great yeah. theme. Now, is James Bond cool? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he is. Well, he's also pretty evil, I guess. <laughs> but he's really cool. I mean, yeah. James Bond, especially as played by Sean Connery in those early movies, and they've kind of gotten back to it with Daniel Craig, like, he's a thug, a contract killer that really enjoyed. This is something that Daniel Craig is, because of political correctness, have to, had to get away from. But the real idea behind James Bond is that he's a contract killer who, for, for the, who happens to work for the government and who loves his job. He just yeah. likes killing people. Wouldn't it be cool if you just had a license to kill? Mm-hmm. You could do whatever you wanted, sleep with whoever you wanted, kill all the bad guys and make jokes about it. Yep. As you did it. And you thought that that was a good man, Ben. I'm sorry, Nathan. I was wrong. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I'm very ashamed. But, but the music, I, I don't think the music's lying. I, the music lets that ambiguity. It's not telling you this is a good guy. It's telling you this is just the kind of, this is somebody that you want to be like. No, you put the Superman theme up against James Bond and suddenly we're getting a weird cognitive It doesn't work. It it's just like, doesn't work. This guy is a great man. This guy should be your dad. This guy's <laughs> awesome. This is a pillar of society. 
Wouldn't work. Nope. Even for the action scenes, you wouldn't want to see James Bond just wantonly destroying property, r- blowing things up, driving his car over through fruit stands of poor Islamic peddlers, and having the Superman theme. Dun, 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 do whatever you want. Dun, 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 be a selfish pig. <laughs> it's really great when you have a license <laughs> to kill. Oh, Listen, listen to another one of the most arguable, one of the most iconic themes and one of the most, ah, just a theme that everybody knows. This is a very dangerous man. He is alone. Mm-hmm. Isn't he cool? Yeah. As a dangerous loner, that dangerous loner guy, he's super cool and awesome well, and dangerous. You also have, I mean, for that, the Clint Eastwood theme, good, the bad, and the ugly theme, you also have a, you have the choir in there. Mm-hmm. It's like it's saying, you know, it's like they're heralding him, you know? Yeah. It's like, it almost you're, feels you're, Homeric in that sense, like, like like you're important to our society. Like you're important to the world, you know, even if you're a dangerous loner. You, bring, is, you bring balance to the force. You, yeah, <laughs> that really that really is a yeah. good way of putting it because Clint Eastwood You are you are cosmic karma. You yeah, are cosmic karma. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that is that is who he plays. That is who the man that with is no name is. He's, he's just, just more like a force. Yeah, he's not a person at all. He is just a force of cosmic karma. He yeah. is like a Homeric god or something. He's just a thing that wanders the earth doing things that happen to other things. <laughs> <laughs> Principally the bad and the ugly. <laughs> but he's not good because he's good. And the music's not telling you that he's good because it's good. It's it's heralding him as a force, not as mm-hmm. a yeah. as something good. You watch an old John Wayne movie or something or a classic western, it'll be like Dun, 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 dun. He is a hero. Bum, ba, dum, bum, 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 and the West was great. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this is not the West that you necessarily want to live in. No, no, Clint this Eastwood's is like West. No way. No, this is a barren and scary and yet epic and larger than life world and lawlessness, lawlessness and vigilantes and. So again. There is a moral element. It's in praise of something, but it's not in praise of Clint Eastwood because he's good. He is, in point of fact, not good. I mean, the the, the title, I think, is ironic. It's really that movie. If you've watched it, it's like three hours of the ugly, the ugly, and the ugly. I mean, that's the joke. That's the entire joke of that movie is that there's, there's really no difference between these men. Clint Eastwood is just cool because he's Clint Eastwood. I mean, well, he, he has like a little bit of like mercy. Like he's not just a nasty killer. Like, he's not like, as nasty like, as... Like the bad. As, as He's not... The ugly is mainly just stupid. Right. The ugly is stupid and the bad is... Like a psychopath. He's, and, yeah. and Clint Eastwood is like a sociopath? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thanks, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let, me, let me play one more one that people will probably recognize here. This is awesome. Amazing. <laughs> so good. It's just crazy how good it is. This whole score That's is great. fantastic. And I, I put Batman Returns up there too. It's a different it's a it's a completely different style Yeah, it's sequel. kind of like a choral horror movie kind of. It is, yeah. but he has like a theme for each character. Yeah. And it, oh, he, he, it's an amazing job. It just is a totally different thing than yeah. that. Anyway, it's so good. It's am- yeah. it is amazing. It's <laughs> like dark, legendary, yeah, primal force of yeah, yeah, awesome, yeah, yeah, scary, you know, otherliness. But, it is like of gods and men, right? You know, like, right, but you want it on your side, right? Yeah, yeah. There's something also good about it, but yeah. but not good. It's like be- it's benevolent. But yes. it's not good. That's right. right. Yeah, exactly. There, there you go. go. That's a good way to put it. It's 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 the capricious <laughs> gods of of old. Yeah, it's but a god it's of like, vengeance. Yeah, it's like 
don't mess you don't get on the wrong side of this well and here's the thing about the tim burton batman movies for good or ill sometimes for ill i'd say they were in fact batman movies tim burton was never really interested in bruce wayne i don't think that much he was interested in batman as a figure as Uh a thing as a symbol uh, mm-hmm. For all his talk as of, of a symbols, part of our psyche, as a part of our psyche, yeah, for all right. his talk of symbols, Christopher Nolan, I think, is actually interested in making Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Wayne movies. And that part of his movies is not that great. No, I, yeah. I which is why, in retrospect, the only reason you revisit them is actually for the Joker. Yeah, I mean Heath Ledger mm-hmm. is the one indelibly good yeah. part of those. Yeah, and well, it's also why. I mean, this is. This I should a, say the main a, reason you re- revisit them. This is a bat trail, but <laughs> Batman Returns. <laughs> Holy bat trails. <laughs> Batman? <laughs> Batman Returns has the best Bruce Wayne so far, actually. Yeah, I think so. Th- there's there's not much of him, but it's like he registers as a real person, a tormented person with his own struggles, and it makes sense of the Bruce Wayne Batman thing. But it often makes sense through suggestion more than anything That's else. That's right. Like you're not, you don't have to spend uh, a lot of time with him because no, ultimately you don't. it's not about Bruce Wayne. We're telling a Batman story. That's right. And that's why it works. And that's what this music, I think, does. is like You, you actually wouldn't want, as, as iconic as this music is, it would be wrong for the Nolan movies because the Nolan movies are about a guy named Bruce Wayne who is damaged and who yeah. put together this thing and is trying to accomplish this thing. And that's not what this music tells you. This music tells you a God walks among us and <laughs> he... Yeah. dispenses justice and is like as he sees fit mars has come down whether you like it or not the right. god of war and he yeah and you're probably not right it is again we're, yeah mars comes down is is i think pretty apt yeah i mean you could use this for a greek god kind of scene in a movie or something like that yeah yeah which is basically true to the the movie yeah that's that's which i think, I think just sort of to sum up everything that we've done so far really fits in a line and it so fits in a line that I think maybe listeners might be feeling like all you've done is name the score of a movie and then describe the movie. Mm-hmm. And so what exactly are you telling us? Well, but- let's, let's go to a break and we'll come back and talk about this in a minute. Well, 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 look there, Gary. Well, look there, Walter. It's Lance Redford, Gary. Welcome back, Lance. To your friendly neighborhood video store, Lance. It's like the sequel to the last time you came to rent a video, Lance. What would the name of the sequel be, Gary? Lance Redford 2. I still like dumb movies. Uh, 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 uh. Hi, Walter. Hi, Gary. Wow, Lance knows how to use English words, Gary. It's always a surprise, Walter. Maybe he'll say something else in English, Gary. I'm holding my breath, Walter. I'd like to rent Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. What interesting words, Lance. Is that the title of a film, Lance? Look, either you have it or you don't, so do you have it? Let me guess, Lance. You want to enjoy some quality, family-friendly entertainment with your children? You want them to get used to seeing faces melt on screen, Lance? Sad because Texas Chainsaw Massacre is already checked out, Lance? Sad because Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is already checked out, Lance? The squeakquel, Lance? As in squeaks of terror, Lance? Squeaks of terror from people being mutilated with chainsaws, Lance? That's what you like, Lance. That's what you like for your children, Lance. Because you're a terrible father, Lance. You have no moral sensibilities to speak of, Lance. Dang it all, guys. It's not for my kids. It's for me and Laura. Oh, because you're a terrible husband, Lance. Your wife is suffering, Lance. She has been for a long time, Lance. It's time somebody told you, Lance. For Pete's sake, can I just have my movie? Oh, we wrote a song about Indiana Jones, Lance. It might be instructive for you, Lance. If you're able to understand it, Lance. If you can understand the deep meaning we put into it, Lance. Oh, for peace sake, I did not come into your shop to hear you sing. He's a person with a whip. And he's gonna go on a long trip to the jungle where he will steal an idol and kill, kill, and kill, kill, kill. He's a teacher at a school. All the students think he's really cool. And he likes to sleep around with any pretty lady that can be found. Once he even went and had the same woman as his dear old dad. Oh, he kills with impunity where he wills, not like you and me. Fine, fine, that stuff is bad. it still thinks he's a moral man. He'll gun you down if you have a sword in hand. They were bad. So Lance thinks it's right 
They were Indians, and he was white. They were Nazis, not Indians. There's just no reasoning with you, Lance. We thought you were a man of morals, Lance. A man of convictions, Lance. You really let us down, Lance. Fart, 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 Lance. Fart, 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 Lance. We are back. And I dare say, uh-huh. I, I dare say that sketch had a point and maybe even leads us into this next part of the episode. Maybe. I don't know. It's arguable. It's it's like movies. They're just movies. Yeah. You know sketches, Nathan? They're just sketches. They're just sketches. Grow up. Yeah, it's probably just a sketch. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll grow up. All right. Let's 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 talk about that Indiana Jones theme, though. All right. What a great theme for a hero. It's so awesome. From Man's is. Man for an All-American. And, and for a hero that doesn't have any special real powers because it, you know, it, it starts out a little tenuous. Mm-hmm. But it just builds and builds and builds into awesome. Into awesome. That sums it up better than anything, really. It builds and builds and builds into awesome. Huh. Now, is this music accurately describing Indiana Jones? People might be ahead of us based on <laughs> our sketch. They might kind of see where we're going with this. but Well, he fights the Nazis, and he doesn't wear his underwear when he does it. Or maybe he does, but he also wears other clothes. <laughs> Is that a reference to something? I think he spent like a whole year of Sound of Sanity talking about oh, running around. It's a reference. To, it's a self-reference <laughs> to us. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to remember too. I was like, I'm going to have it any second now. Folks, Wonder Woman, she wears her underwear. She fights the Nazis. That's, that's what, right. It's what she's most famous for on this show, at least. <laughs> as she should be. As she Justly should be, so. As she well deserves. Which <laughs> <laughs> uh, is yeah. funny because, of course, she does neither one. Although the underwear part is debatable. Yeah, debatable. But she doesn't actually fight the Nazis. But anyway. But guys, Indiana Jones fights the Nazis. Indiana Jones is like a person that's really cavalier about human life. That's the best thing that you could say about him. <laughs> He's willing to kill people and endanger himself to and protect it, it, artifacts. But what if those artifacts are like going to be used by the Nazis to win World War II? Well, he doesn't believe in that stuff. But yeah, he actually kind of does. Mary, and close your eyes. Well, he believes in it when it comes to it. But all right, Jake, I guess you win. Indiana Jones is a great hero. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Thanks all for right. listening, everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> Here's the point. Indiana Jones is a. If you really take a step back and look at what he's doing and why he's doing it, not particularly heroic. I think you could make a good argument. Well, Indiana Jones fits. In the same category as Bond, as Clint Eastwood, even as Batman. Mm-hmm. Much more than he fits in the category of Robin Hood, Luke, and Superman. But his music is... His music is Superman. His music is Luke. Indiana Jones sleeps with who he wants. He kills who he wants. It's all basically in pursuit of a noble end. But Ish. Ish. Yeah, no, but, you yeah. know, uh, you know it depends on the adventure. Well, he shoots who he wants, he kills who he wants in pursuit of, you know, some lost idol or whatever. That's not so good, but we don't feel so bad about it because it's just Aborigines or whatever. And we could argue self-defense for almost all of it, although that poor swordsman does get kind of a harsh deal. Yeah. Alfred Molina. He doesn't kill Alfred Molina. No, no, but he, he does, you know, he puts him in danger, but then he gets, you know. He wouldn't have been danger, endangered, Jake. If he, maybe I'll be the devil now. I don't think he would have been in danger if he hadn't stolen the whip and the ran off with the idol. You make a fair point. Huh. Don't go into the light. Yep. Yep. We all know that stepping in light sets off booby traps. <laughs> <laughs> As I think the He-Manologians once discovered. <laughs> they, they did discover that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We all know yeah, that yeah. ancient temples do, in fact, have booby traps <laughs> and that people were capable of great Rube Goldberg-like feats of... Invention and ingenuity and engineering back in the day. And that those engineering feats hold up over thousands of years. Anyway. Everything in the Indiana Jones movies actually is played sort of sideways to reality. Mm. Indiana Jones is not, in fact, the great moral, upright, swashbuckling Superman hero that the music tells you he is. And that is, in fact, one of the charms of the movie is that Indiana Jones is constantly getting battered and bruised in a way that a classic hero like Robin Hood Mm -hmm. generally doesn't. Indiana Jones is going to get dirt dumped on his head while he's desperately hanging on to the side of the tank. He's going to punch out the Nazi to steal his jacket and then the jacket won't fit. I mean, that's Indiana Jones is an ironic, humorous take on Mm -hmm. the classic two-fisted American hero. So that's kind of the point. But then the music is just telling you he's awesome. He's unironically he's like, great. Yeah. Well, the, and the, to be fair, the music is also telling you like this adventure is really charming. 
It's fun. It's a good adventure to go on. Mm-hmm. Who cares if he kills a bunch of Nazis? Right. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Nazis right. are Nazis. That's the reason we put them in there. <laughs> That's right. the reason we put them in there. <laughs> yeah. But the rest of the movies played and scored that way too. Is is Marion a... Uh, Lush romantic heroine like that music makes her sound. Yeah. And do they have this great romantic love story? She's a brashy alcoholic broad. That's the whole charm of Marion. Yeah, but music says. You know, it's like that Romeo and Juliet sort of like epic romance right. thing to it, but that is not. She's going to punch him and hit him with the skillet and or know that she does that to the bad guy. But what's interesting is I think that in both cases, the music so su- successfully pummels you into accepting the reality of the music that a and I, th- I really do think the music has a lot to do with this. People remember the first Indiana Jones movie Raiders of the Lost Ark as being actually a lot more charming and whimsical than the dark, <laughs> violent, bloody movie that it actually is. Yep. And they like if you go on Netflix right now, I think Indiana Jones is on there as we record this, and it's in the kids section. And really? arguably, maybe Last Crusade could be on there, although that's got some of the grossest yeah. sex stuff. Maybe the new one could even be on there. That's fairly bloodless and CGI. But also, arguably, none of them should be on there, and mm-hmm. certainly not Raiders of the Lost. I mean, everybody knows Temple of Doom is the dark one where the guy's heart gets ripped out and all that. But Raiders of the Lost Ark is actually basically an R-rated movie masquerading as a PG movie because yep. Spielberg was well connected and they didn't have a PG thirteen back then. A guy's head gets chopped up in a propeller. I don't know how and many then times you got some pretty sensual stuff between Indy and Marion after the after when they the, get on the ship. Yeah, and then just even the whole notion of the fact that he deflowered her when she was a girl and yep. all this kind of stuff. It's just like it's not Yeah, the more you think about it, the more cynical it gets and the mm. less fun. Yeah. But the music I think plays a large part in the fact that people don't think about that stuff you imagine you gave indiana jones a brooding score that way yeah it doesn't feel that way way. yeah but if you do go if you go back and you rescore it this is suddenly a much more dank dark depressing the music elevates this and keeps it in the feeling like this buoyant cheerful heroic sort of movie with a a love story subplot Mm mm-hmm that is not the movie. Well, then one of my proofs of that is the scene that my mom always made us fast forward as a kid, and it's not the faces melting. It's that fight in the bar, yeah. which doesn't have a score, and that fight feels really brutal. Now, there are it is one of the bloodier parts of the movie. The guy gets shot and blood comes out of his mouth, and there's a number of gags like that that are just violent. Yeah. But the scene also just has a more grisly feel. The guy burns his hand. All this stuff yep. happens. It, it feels like you're watching Die Hard or something instead of Indiana Jones there. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that there's not music telling you this is light, this is fun, this is breezy, Mm -hmm. this is exciting. So when some guy catches on fire or something like that, the music could tell you, hey, caught on fire! (laughs) But instead there's no music to tell you that. And so it's like, oh man, I can't believe they're tearing this place apart and that poor guy. The, The propeller scene, by contrast, is just as vicious, but the music is whimsy is whimsical and telling you this yeah. is fun and exciting and oh no <laughs> he got killed <laughs> it is pretty funny i mean there is some place for joking about dark things i, I sure hope so because i can think of at least one christian podcast that made joke about some dark things let's censor those people nathan whoever they are yeah let's not like give them our business real jerks yeah, I mean, I think there is a place. I don't know where the line is, and it's a little hard because we're talking about violence and sex and stuff like that, but there's a place for a movie to have fun with the fact that it's a movie, you know? Yeah. We are playing with tropes right now. We are playing with things, and we're going to wink at you and acknowledge that. And that's the kind of thing John Williams does with his music all the time. I mean, you watch an interview with John Williams, and he says, the thing I love about the Nazis is you can't just use those big brassy bad guy chords that are ridiculous. Like he says, there's no excuse for that in any other score besides a star Wars movie or an Indiana Jones movie to use that kind of like Kylo Ren has the bum, bum, bum. You you can't get away with that in a movie about, an evil politician or it's over the top there's no go- going over the top with nazis or with the empire yeah mm-hmm. and part of this is cartoonish and that's on purpose but you could almost argue that like 
one of the problems with whatchamacallit, the new one, the fourth Indiana Jones movie, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, is it's like they're making a sequel to the way that people think about Indiana Jones instead of actually Indiana Jones. So they're trying to hit those buttons of whimsy and charm and a romance between Marion and Indy that we're suddenly supposed to buy as a serious thing, mm-hmm. which is much more a sequel to the Indian Marion music than it is to anything we actually see of Indian Marion mm-hmm. on screen in terms of their chemistry or their interaction or their history or the story that's given them. Should we move on to another one? Yeah. Yeah. Another example of this. This one might be a little bit easier because nobody likes this movie. Oh man, what a tragic love story. Intergalactic Romeo and Juliet. I've never seen Star this movie, Crossed by the way. Lovers. Really? No. Attack of the Clones? Oh, you just had to cross the stars. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was I was like, what's the is name of this? the song? Yeah, I, I just figured that out. That's the Anakin and Padme. The second. Theme. Yeah. Okay. And it's this heartbreakingly <laughs> beautiful. It's like theme. it sounds like yeah, John just, Williams and it's beautiful and it sounds familiar, but I've never seen this movie. So. <laughs> epically tragic love story between these two star-crossed lovers. Ah. It's so sad and so big and so grand. Only that's a good example of music that fooled nobody because... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Nobody bought into it. He just couldn't do it. It Yeah. No, it's too big an ask. But boy, did he try. Man, he swung for the fences. Well, I'll tell you where he swung for the fences and did elevate something was the final duel with Darth Maul. Where we have three nothing characters that we haven't been taught how to invest in at all, fighting for no clear reason about things that don't matter that much to us. (laughs) And the Duel of the Fates music actually does make it epic and one of the best Star Wars sword fights, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Now let's hear another one from our childhood. That, of course, is from Back to the Future. Robert Silvestri. Alan Alan Silvestri. Alan Silvestri. And that music I submit to you is absolutely fascinating because the movie could just as easily be scored completely differently. Like, of course, Indiana Jones was going to have some kind of heroic theme. But Marty McFly could have had a comedy theme or a pop song. Marty McFly is a 17-year-old high school boy who spends the entire movie, each movie, just wanting to get back to his time and place so that he can get a cool truck and take his girlfriend out on the weekend and sleep with her. That's it. That's what Marty's motivation is. That's what Marty wants to do. <laughs> right. For three movies, that's what Marty wants to do. Uh, the third movie, he wants to save Doc. But really, that's all Marty wants to do. That's that's our hero. And his mom's going to fall in love with him and he's yeah. going to be in his underwear and his dad's a peeping Tom. Jake, I don't think that the movie can actually be about that because the score just told me that we are going on a whimsical yet wholesome adventure. You know, emphasis on you the adventure. Think that. Emphasis on wholesome. You hear that music <laughs> and you think that, and then you go back and you're like, yeah, okay, that is what that is. I'm going to sit down with my kids and whoa. <laughs> no. No. Nope. That was a bad that idea. That was a bad idea. That is not how I forgot about And I forgot about that. And I, why did I forget about all of those things? That's why. That's right. That music just says awesome, fun, well, heroic, yeah. comedic. That's right. And that is not what that movie is. Well, I submit to you, we remember Back to the Future as this great, people think of it as an action movie. It's a sex comedy. I mean, that's that is all it is. It is. When the, when the, I guarantee you, when Zemeckis and his partner went to the suits and they pitched this idea, it wasn't, there's going to be a great action scene at the end where he has to make a car go fast. 
It was, hey guys, get this. The guy goes back in time and his mom falls in love with him. I mean, that's that's the hook. That's the pitch. That's the idea behind this movie that we all remember as like an Amblin Because his mom falls in love with him, everything's going to get ruined and he's got to find a way to get his mom out of love with him and in love with his dad so that he can be born and then he's got to get back to his his own place in time so that he can make his own baby. But also he gets to experience like the fact that his mom was hot. I mean, that's that's like yep. half of what that uh, not half. That that is that is back to the future. That's what it's about. It's not you put a pop song over the opening credits and you score this movie with pop songs and i think we just remember it like we remember risky business or cocktail or or one of those tom cruise either a john hughes movie or like a early tom cruise kind of sex comedy kind of thing like this movie is remembered as not just a slightly different kind of a movie but i think a different genre yeah because the music does so much to establish it as action adventure action mm-hmm. adventure Hero. excitement yeah, amblin yeah. entertainment yeah well to be fair it does give you some pretty great action adventure stuff it does which i i haven't seen those other well, movies you mentioned so but. time travel is a great action adventure conceit yeah but that isn't the substance of, that's just some of the trappings of the movie yeah and i mean it's, it's some of the shtick and going to be fair the third one is kind of an action movie with the cowboys and yeah it is, it is it is much more but as a as a kid i so i guess i'm not i wasn't even meaning to play the devil i'm just like i'm thinking of of how i remember seeing that as a kid there was the sex stuff but what i cared about was like the plot Oh no, uh, Marty! We gotta go do this thing real that's fast. Right. And, yeah, actually, I did. I mean, as a kid, it, one I of the greatest totally running invested. jokes is of the whole thing is that Doc's always in a hurry to get. Oh no, <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> run out of time. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, well doc (laughs) it's exactly one person in the universe that doesn't have to worry about that I think in other words it works as a blend of those things I mean I'm not really disagreeing with what you said because it is a gross movie but anyway but I think one of the reasons it works as a blend one of the reasons we remember it as a blend is because of that that music that music that music does really thoroughly tip the scales towards adventure in a way that the movie just wasn't designed at least the first one Mm, I'm not so much arguing about the trilogy here but certainly the, that first movie, in its essence, is a sex relationship comedy. I mean, that yep. is, that's, that is yep. what it was designed to be. You could take out the little action scene at the end where he has to go really fast, and you would still have the structure of that screenplay, which is about a guy who accidentally makes his mom fall in love with him. Yep. That is the story. That is the inciting incident. That is the problem that has to be solved. That is the screenplay. And I like Back to the Future. I'm, I'm not trying to... Actually, I, I think I do. I, I, I'm in the same I, boat I as Ben. I, I literally have not seen time. it since I was a kid. I remember yeah. it being really fun and exciting and funny and cool. I also remember my parents being slightly uncomfortable with it and me not really knowing why. When I think about watching it, I start to feel kind of uncomfortable. Well, let's listen to a more modern example. That, of course, Pirates of the Caribbean, the famous Hans Zimmer theme. First of all, if I may be permitted a small, snobby Nathan rant, I've never liked that music because it does it's not... Great. It does not say... No, it's not because it doesn't say pirate. To just do a theme that says generic action hero, to basically do the same... A riff on the same theme that Zimmer's been doing for things like The Rock... Or... Uh, what's the most famous one? Gladiator obviously had that. Mm-hmm. That kind of synthy string thing. Who's Gladiator synthy? Less okay. so. But to do a generic synthy string thing instead of a lush orchestral kind of thing for. Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, okay, so the first one was scored by Cool. Oh, hold on. Help me here. Wikipedia, Claus Badelt. Yeah, two so. Two through four Zimmer. And Claus Badelt is like a Zimmer protege, I think. Or well, something. Th- more than a protege. But, but Zimmer actually employs, and a lot of composers do, it's something that's worth knowing. They employ helpers and disciples, kind of. Like, like for example, John Williams doesn't have time to orchestrate all his stuff. Somebody else works with him. You, know, you could look up the guy's name. He's pretty well known in you know music circles. Like he's the guy. If you like the orchestrations of a Williams theme, you know people will argue. Did, did Williams have more to do with it? It is him. 
Danny Elfman comes from a rock band, right? He just writes those themes on synth and then someone is going to have to figure out how to orchestrate it. And of course, he'll have input and final say. It's not that I'm arguing any of these men are without talent mm-hmm. or without agency. But there is a lot. there are a lot of hands that go into this sort of thing. And this particular gentleman that wrote the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack, he's so associated with the Zimmer school yeah, yeah. that I actually, it's I don't even feel like I made a mistake saying Zimmer. It is just, it's the Zimmer, Zimmer brand, basically. And Zimmer probably oversaw it and he certainly stepped in and, you know, put his name on the rest of them. Even though people like that guy would have worked under Zimmer to write a lot of the music for the other Pirates of the Caribbean. So anyway, be that as it may. My complaint about this score is that it doesn't sound very piratey. It's got like a little fiddle or something at the beginning of the proper version of it. Mm-hmm. But then it just turns into action schlock music. But what a great, heroic, straightforward, awesome theme for a great, awesome hero. Well, that is the larger <laughs> point we wanted to make, Jake. That Jack Sparrow is a great, awesome hero. Jack Sparrow yeah. is a great, awesome hero. He is. Yeah. Oh, no. Some sort of alarm is going off. <laughs> what could it be? I guess it's the devil's advocacy alarm. I thought it was the pirate advocacy alarm. Oh, is it the pirate advocacy alarm? I think so. Okay, pirates are great. <laughs> Wait a minute. I have a complaint to make. Okay. Yeah. And my complaint is that the pirate advocacy alarm didn't sound very piratey. We had a great opportunity <laughs> to have a piratey sounding alarm. All right, oh. let me just uh, let me just redo that. Oh, wow. Is that a parrot squawking? <laughs> it, it's it the is. pirate advocacy parrot. <laughs> wow. Man. All right. Um... Uh, get it! Get, get out of here! Oh! Ah, get the parrot off of me, Ben! Uh, hold on, Nathan. Let me hit it with this water bottle. <laughs> Nathan's famous for his love of birds. I am famous for my love of birds <laughs> and the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack. But anyway, so the pirate advocacy alarm is off, and I guess I'll play the pirate's advocate. And as a guy who likes pirates and thinks they're pretty cool mythic heroes... Jack Sparrow kind of actually seems like a bit of a slapstick, drunkard, dope guys. Hmm. Mm. And a pirate. Yeah, and but he's really more like gay Keith Richards caricature that does slapstick and stuff and sucks at life. Mm. Especially in the later movies. Especially in the later movies, but even in that first one. Hmm. And yet that music. So Jack Sparrow's really cool. Jack Sparrow's really cool. Jack Sparrow's not cool. Yeah, you're right. He's not. Nah. Why did I think he was? Was it the music? Might not hurt anything. I don't think it hurt anything. Nah. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we've listened to a lot of examples. These are very broad, maybe sort of obvious examples, but I think it's just a way. Obvious of, examples are a way in to talk about more subtle things. Right? right. Like, this kind of thing is happening all the time, and it's much more subtle. And it affects you. I mean, I think the thing I want to say is probably a lot of people are listening and they're like, I know Jack Sparrow's not a hero. You come out of a Pirates movie with a little fist pump when that music comes on. Mm -hmm. That music's done something to you. That's right. Right. And you've decided that drunken gay Johnny Depp drag show is... actually kind of cool. It's actually kind of cool. Which, maybe it is. I don't want to argue about Pirates of the Caribbean right now. I liked that first one, I think, way back 50 years ago when it came out. It was all right. I don't think it was anything great, but I don't think it was anything terrible either. Whatever. You like Pirates of the Caribbean, fine, but you should realize what the music is doing to you. And then once you start to allow yourself to think about this, you'll start to see things like, oh, this is a sex scene, and this is fornication, and the music is telling telling me me it's good. And actually, these two people just met each other. I mean, okay, famous example. The story of Titanic. Is yeah, like, we talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it. Two kids meet. One of them is a rebellious brat, and the other one's kind of a manipulative, charming young man that likes to take advantage of rebellious young brats. So they <laughs> do. They And they sleep together in a car. They fornicate in an uncomfortable-looking car, and then he dies. He dies, and a whole bunch of other people die, and we're supposed to believe it's a great, tragic, romantic love story. And they barely knew each other. I mean, like... It's silly, right? But the music does so much. I mean, the dialogue's not doing it. Yeah. The acting is doing something, I'm sure. Well, but just throw a little penny whistle in there. and This is a great tragic story. Mm-hmm. It's not a great tragic story. Nah. Teenage girls should go see this 12 times in theaters and bring boxes of tissues with them. That's what all the teenage girls that I knew back in the day did. They all did. I don't know. I, I feel like we've, got, we've done this whole episode, and I probably a lot of people still aren't convinced. Like, they think... Oh, I'll catch it. I know that the fornication's not right, even if the music tells me that it is. What do we say to that? I think that you should go pop in Raiders of the Lost Ark 
either pay attention to the music or play it on mute Mm -hmm. and just pay attention to what the movie's actually saying and what the music's telling you. See if you don't learn a thing or two Mm -hmm. that you've never really considered. Take off your glasses of nostalgia. Take off everything that just says, I love Indiana Jones and I'm here for popcorn and fun and approach that movie as a critic that wants to find fault with it and listen to the music and what the music's telling you about what's happening on screen at all times. And then see the disparity between that and what's actually happening. And then go on YouTube and play videos where people have cut out the the soundtrack yeah, to probably, epic, the, epic moment. The funniest and, one is E.T. leaving, saying goodbye to Elliot, and it's just a bunch of people snuffling and walking around in a forest. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, E.T. For a long time. I love you. Look, music is designed to influence your emotions. That's what it does. And you need to be careful with that. You need to take that seriously. Yeah. And, you know, we're not saying it's all bad. No, I like pop music. I like pop movies. Good soundtrack does a lot for a movie. And what better soundtrack could we go out on than the soundtrack to Jake's favorite movie and one that he does not like nostalgically, but he simply likes because it's a great quality, clean family picture. Like they don't make any more without any sex, without any violence, without any homoerotic content. It is, of course, Top Gun. Well, that about wraps it up. And, you know, guys, I feel a strange urge to go fly a fighter jet. What's with that? Wow. (laughs) I feel like joining a branch of the military and getting over my father issues and stuff. I I don't know why, though. You know what I feel? Huh. What do you feel, Jake? I feel the need. The need for speed. And I have this urge to play volleyball. (laughs) I, I, I can't understand it. Playing with the boys? (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Sound of Sanity, produced by me, executive produced by Jake and me, associate produced by Ben, performed by all of us. Go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. You can listen to some great sanity bites and other pieces of awesome behind the paywall content extra skits the he-manologians go to japan all kinds of stuff available for a low low price at patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity until next time folks you can be my wingman anytime 